Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. <laughs> Howdy, friends. The meeting went well. No, the meeting, yes. The meeting did go well. Yesterday, sorry for leaving you hanging on those extra four minutes of the pod. We will uh, endeavor to make it right today, and I'm happy to tell you that we will have an announcement early next week. That's right. About the topic of yesterday's meeting. And this is good news if you're a fan of After 9 or you listen to our radio show in the morning or Mm -hmm. our radio show at night. This is good stuff. Keep listening, and we'll let you know. Kat, in this episode of After 9, we have a lot to talk about, and part of it has to do with shopping. Part of it has to do with drinking. And the other part of it has to do with driving after you've been drinking. Mm. Let's go back to the year 2019. It was August. A woman named Daniela Lease, 26 years old, went to a Marilyn Manson concert at Budweiser Gardens in London. Mm-hmm. Got pretty wasted at the show. After downing those drinks, she got behind the wheel. A lot of poor choices, all in one one little quick thing there. She crashed her... F- <clears throat> She crashed her father's Ford Fusion into a brick home on Woodman Avenue in London. She ruptured a gas line, triggered a huge explosion that destroyed four houses and injured seven people. Falling embers led to blazes in nearby homes. The entire neighborhood had to be evacuated with gas and water service shut off. Damages were estimated between 9.8 and 14.7 million dollars because she made a choice to drive drunk. Wow. Not to mention two police officers and two firefighters suffered numerous injuries. One firefighter spent more than a week in hospital because of what happened here. That's a crazy story. In case you don't remember this story, I'll give you just a little bit more. She pled guilty to four counts of impaired driving and was given a three-year prison sentence in 2021. Well, now her and her father, Sean, have filed a lawsuit against Ovation's Ontario Food Services, the company that was serving alcohol at Budweiser Gardens in London. They claim the libations purveyor shares liability for the blast on the grounds that staffers ejected Lease from the venue while failing to take steps to ensure she would not drive home. She also alleges Ovations had served her alcohol while aware she was drunk, accusing them of putting profit above safety and that the resulting damage was caused or contributed to by the negligence, breach of duty, and breach of contract by the bar. How do you prove that they knew that she was way too intoxicated to be drinking more would be a question. I mean, you'd have to prove that they know for sure. And the reason why I mention that is because any server can look at someone and 
And maybe they're really good and they know, hey, you're definitely intoxicated. Or that person's obvious, right? They're, they're falling over in their chair or they're, they can barely stand up. They're not even speaking clearly. There's a lot of different cues, right, to let you know, hey, this person's probably had too much to drink. There are others, though, where you really don't know. Or perhaps you're distracted in handing out your beverages and the person's in the back and someone bought them for you. How does she, how do they prove that that's the case? Because although I do understand why we have the laws we have and that bars and establishments can get in trouble for over-serving, that is a problem. You know, we've seen bars and restaurants shut down or lose their liquor licenses over this. And I think in most of those cases, that makes sense. But here, this is not a victim, you know, and now we're trying to, and now she's trying to basically, and her dad claim that she is nothing but a victim of a crime here, even though she chose to get into her vehicle after she had consumed all those beverages and drive and then cause this absolutely horrendous explosion. Yeah. It just doesn't add up to me. It's almost backwards to me that someone can be allowed to even sue that has done this. Just because we all need to remember that we do make these choices to drink and consume and then get into a vehicle. Like that's a choice, again, that she made. And the fact that now, again, uh, they're trying to play the victim card in this is just kind of backwards to me when she already pled guilty to doing the bad things that she did. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, she's going to be dealing with this for a long time. I can't think of any insurance company that would take her on as a client at this point. She did up to $15 million in damages. Mm -hmm. That's insanity. We've all heard of carnage from drunk drivers. I've never heard of an amount that much, but she ruptured a gas line. It makes sense. There was an explosion. A lot of people got hurt, including EMS. So... Here's what's at stake here. We've seen many a lawsuit over the years from people who wanted to get out of their trouble by dragging the bar into it. And I've never felt it was right because I think that servers have a very difficult job. And while they are more or less trained to spot signs of intoxication, they all have to take the smart serve course, which is good, but not foolproof. Well, they have to take that course, they've got a lot of shit going on. And they're running back and forth to the back. They're pouring drinks. They're cleaning glasses. They're wiping down tables. They're, they're chasing people that are trying to dine and dash. All that shit that they have to deal with in a shift. I think it's ridiculous to expect these servers to suffer in criminal or, or civil liability because somebody else was drinking. Mm-hmm. I find it to be a cop-out, personally. However, in this case, it is a little different. They ejected her from the premise. They knew she was drunk. Way too drunk to be there. Imagine being way too drunk. I didn't know she was ejected. I missed that part. Okay, well, let me just give you this line because I want to confirm that I'm reading this right. They claim the alcohol company shares in the liability for the blast on the grounds that staffers, quote, ejected Lise from the venue but failed to take steps to ensure she would oh, not drive home. In, okay, so that's a bit of a twist on it because then it, that there's the proof I was asking about. Yeah. There's the proof. Okay. In this case, I mean, it's one thing to cut her off. It sounds like the system worked. They recognized she was impaired, how she got impaired, whether it was them serving it to her or she was pre-drinking or on something else. I don't know the details. But on the premise itself, they said, okay, you're way too drunk. You're out of here. Go. If they just send her out there, don't make any effort to prevent her from driving. I mean, we know that drunk Mm -hmm. people make bad decisions. That's part of the MO for intoxication. You're intoxicated, not thinking clearly, and you do dumb shit.
Yeah. This was clearly something really dumb. Yeah. She's lucky she wasn't killed or that nobody else was. But do they share any of the responsibility? Because the last time I was at an arena that was serving booze. Oh, it was last Saturday. I was at First Ontario Centre in Hamilton. Right, right. They do a happy hour before Toronto Rock games. The hour before the game starts, drinks are five bucks. It's amazing how many people are drinking. Now, I would not at all be surprised to see them cut somebody off if they were drunk. Because again, they're trained to do that. But is it also their job to chase you out to whatever parking lot you happen mm-hmm. to be parked in and make sure you I don't know. drive? Should they be tackling you to take your keys? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll answer. I'll give you I'll give you an example of where yes. Um. So I have a smart serve certified, and I can tell you yes, you are actually supposed to. The security working a venue like that, like a large venue on the outside. That's the reason why they're. That's one of the reasons why they're there. So there should have been communication between the server who who cut them off. To, to escort her out, there should have been communication with someone to just make sure that she gets into a cab uh, or get on a bus um, or have a friend drive or whatever the case is. You are supposed to do that. And we had an incident, and I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast, but I'll give you the quick run through, is that we did have a woman come in that was too intoxicated. And we said, you got to take a cab home because she did have car keys. She said, okay, I'm out of here. We had to watch her and make sure that she wasn't getting into her vehicle. Now, this woman was so diabolical that when we threw her in the cab, she got into a separate cab after she got home to come back to drive her car home. And that's when we had to call 911. But someone had to be on the lookout. The manager was on it because they knew that this was the case because, again, they're certified in this and they didn't want the restaurant to be liable. Or venue in this case. You have to show proof and evidence that you at least did your best and tried your hardest to make sure that you did not, you know, that you didn't see them get into a vehicle. And that you tried your best to ensure that that was the case. So even if they had instructed her to get into a taxi and even followed her to the curb, then they would be in the absolute clear. But if they did none of the like, there's a chance that they could get in trouble for this. Yes. Where does self-responsibility kick in here? And, And it's kind of a rhetorical question, but I'm wondering, not only did she make the decision to drive when she was extremely intoxicated and did all this damage. She also made the choice to drive to the venue and to buy alcohol when she was there. And and I can, I do kind of understand the argument. And I know not everybody's going to agree with me, but I do kind of understand the argument that she was drunk. She didn't know what she was doing. She was highly intoxicated and not qualified to make a proper judgment. I mean, she went to go see Marilyn Manson in concert. Enough said. That's a bad choice too. Her judgment's poor. But she did make choices while she was sober, and that choice was drive to the venue. She made another choice when she got there into order alcohol, and clearly she made another choice to continue drinking. I'm wondering if all of that trumps the bar's responsibility to not just cut her off, but to make sure that she doesn't drive. It's going to be a tough one for the courts to sort Mm -hmm. out. I mean, I know for a lot of people, this is open and shut. She was drunk. She did a lot of damage. She almost killed people. She pled guilty. End of story. But she shouldn't, like, in my mind still, don't try to play victim in that. It's up to, I guess, higher power. You shouldn't see anything, basically, from this, is what I mean. Like, she should not benefit from the venue getting in trouble. The venue should get in trouble because the venue should get in trouble for what they did. But that should be separate from all the shit that she did, that she had ever, in my mind, I, I don't think it's an excuse to just say, well, I was too drunk to understand. Again, that was a choice that you made. Isn't there? Nobody drugged you. Isn't there any distinction, though, between the person who's just handing you a can of beer or pouring you a 12-ounce draft at a game where there's 
14 to 20,000 people there or a bar that has 10 customers in it. I mean, I think the bar with 10 customers, it's a different story. The venue where there's so many people, I just don't know how we can reasonably expect it because if they cut her off, she could have very easily just gone to any other bar on further down the concourse or and, on another level. And they level. would be in trouble in that case. And they I, would be in trouble because they should notice, recognize someone walking in way too intoxicated. Right. So they did the right thing by ejecting her. They just, it seems like the allegation here is that they didn't go far enough mm-hmm. into also making sure that she got home. Correct. Or, or, or at least do, taking initiative to take those steps. You don't have to follow them home. You have to make sure that you place them in a vehicle or have someone sober take them. Then your responsibility is over and you can hand that over to the next step. I, uh, I'm actually very curious to see where this lawsuit goes. We will follow it. And when we have an update to bring you, we'll bring it to you right here on After 9. Speaking of alcohol, outrageous new guidelines yesterday from the powers that be. I don't even know who these people are that did the study, but I'll, I'll assume that they're qualified to do it. Canada has adopted new guidance on low-risk alcohol consumption, dramatically slashing the amount of booze that's considered safe from just 10, 11 years ago. In 2011, the, the recommendation to all of us Canadians was no more than 10 drinks a week for a woman, no more than 15 a week for a man. Roughly two drinks a day. Now... They're saying no amount of alcohol is safe. This is the Canadian Center on Substance Use and Addiction. They're saying no amount is safe. And if you drink three to six drinks a week, three to six, you're at moderate risk for adverse health effects. If you drink more than that, you further increase your risk. And the major concern they're citing here is cancers. I know that alcohol has been linked to cancer, and and that's all well and good, but I don't think we didn't know that in 2011. So what I'm trying to figure out here is, did alcohol change? Did people change? Did the methodology of the research change? Or did the science itself change? That's what I don't understand. And I do note, though, that this is coming from someone who has a vested interest in studying addiction. And we know alcohol is mm-hmm. one of the most addictive things you can get into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, OK, so there's a few there's a few takeaways for me. Number one, I mean, this is also coming from a center that wants to prevent people from from drinking and get addicted to those things. So I keep that in mind, even though, like you said, I trust that whoever was behind the study is well qualified to do it. So I'm not trying to say that that's not a qualification and that they're just trying to get people to not drink because that's what they do. It's not really what I'm implying, but I am I am stressing that it's coming from a place where they don't really like people drinking. Absolutely. That's it. That's you're, their you're that's their MO. Great way to say it. Okay? That that's the MO. So that aside though, uh, my my confusion also comes into play much like you Scott with what changed and also what changes country to country. CDC guidelines American. Rem- remain which are American and I believe we're all we're all human, right? We're all in, human. Can, in Canada and in the USA. If you stood me wow. next to an okay, American, good, good, you good. wouldn't know which okay. one's the Canadian. Okay, and until you open your mouth, right? So, I think that it's interesting that CDC guidelines are still on the exact same thing you said. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was one per day for women, essentially one in a bit or something, and two per day for man. So it was still much more than these new guidelines. So, And that, by the way, runs until 2025. They put out the guideline for 2020 to 2025. So what, what changes there if we're all human? 
Uh, so that was confusing to me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, big picture for me is that we as adults, and assuming one who consumes alcohol is an adult, of course, I hope, uh, can all make our decisions. We understand on a day-to-day basis the choices we make affect our health. They do impact our health. We can choose to, you know, eat healthy and make sure that we do everything we can in that area, right? Because mm-hmm. we know there's certain foods that are a higher cancer risk, for et cetera. There's stu- studies being done constantly about that. We know that we can choose to exercise more because that's good for your health, right? Uh, we can choose to uh, smoke or not smoke uh, and vape and not vape. And all the other number of things that are bad or good for your health, we make those choices. So when I look at surveys and things like this, and trust me, doing this job, you and I both, Scott, we've seen all the surveys that say, hey, it's good for your heart, red wine. And, and oh, but wait, coffee's bad. Oh, coffee's good now. Yep. Wine's bad. You know, all these things. We, it's constant. It's constant. So for me, because I don't see any consistency in any of these studies across countries and across studies, across organizations, for me, it's more my choice. Isn't that a nice feeling, guys? Everybody has that choice. So I can choose to say, and absolutely, like for me, binge drinking doesn't happen. I'm also a lightweight though. I have one or two glasses of wine. I feel fucking great. I'm done. I know for some people that's not the case, but you do what feels right for you and you know what makes sense for you in any of those choices that I made, whether it's consumption of alcohol, food, amount of exercise, or anything like that. Good. Well said. I, uh, I do fully support people having or people being treated like adults. We should always let adults make adult decisions for themselves. And and yes, there is a role for government to play. They can set the minimum age. They can set the maximum amount that you can have in you and still drive a vehicle, all that sort of thing. But the government's left in a pretty awkward position here because even though we've been saying for years it's time to stop the shit, Doug. Fuck you, Doug! The government is still the sole purveyor of alcohol in Ontario. So this thing that we just found out, no amount of alcohol is safe. You should have less than three drinks a week. And even at that, that's a little risky. Much more risky at three to six drinks a week. It is sold by the government. So now alcohol has gone from that fun leisurely activity or whatever it is you want to call it into basically the same category as smoking. So we've got a government that taxes the living shit out of this stuff. It is crazy how much tax is on the cigarettes you smoke and the alcohol you drink in this country. But they still sell it. Cigarettes have to have a warning label on it. And now some are calling on the government to put warning labels on alcohol. I think the whole thing is a goddamn mess. I don't even think we should have warning labels on cigarettes. Sorry, I don't think we should have those current warning labels on cigarettes. If you want to put a label on a product that says, yeah, this isn't good for you, that's totally one thing. Not advised by the the public health of Canada. Fine. I think we all understand that. But let's also keep in mind there was a time when cigarettes were not considered bad for you. In fact, you could go into a doctor's office and have a smoke with them in there. That wasn't that long ago. Now, of course, we've learned a little more about it. They recommend we not smoke. Okay, put that label on a pack of cigarettes. These graphic pictures and shit that we've put on them was way, way, way too far in the other direction. And most smokers ignore it anyway. They don't even see those pictures anymore because they've desensitized themselves to them. 
The only people who see them are people who come here from other countries and think, what the fuck is this? What's going on? (laughs) Those same people that wanted those graphic labels on cigarette packs, which are largely ineffective, now want them on alcohol. Interesting. So the government gets this research that says, yeah, it's really not good for you. They're the ones who sell it. Yep. They're the ones who make an incredible amount of money off of it. And now they're being pressured to put labels on it. I'm going to tell you something straight up. If they try and put a graphic picture of somebody dying of cancer on a bottle of Patron, (laughs) I'm going to stop buying alcohol in Ontario. I'll I'll just keep importing it. That is a weird image. I mean, I'm thinking about, never mind that, but I'm thinking about all of the, do you remember when it was even talked about and still is putting all of the entire nutritional label on every single bottle of wine. Remember when that, yes. there was talks of that too? And I know some companies do that, by the way, for full transparency, but those are the companies that are like low sugar, low carb, low, low, low ca- what, calories, all those things, right? Sure. They've so got something good to promote. They boast it, They boast about it because that's their, their MO. But do you remember too companies, let's say a French wine, who is like, you're not fucking slapping a sticker on my beautiful wine bottle. Like this is art for a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. I could see such backlash from imported wines, as an example, beers too. Yep. Saying no, 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 no. You're do- then you know what? We'll just pull out of Canada. Those are going to be the bigger ones, or or the ones who are angry enough about it that say no, you're not slapping shit on there. That's saying that my product is killing people because that's basically what it looks like. That's what they're saying. These companies won't buy it. So if they don't have their shit in stores for the LCBOs, the LCBOs screwed. Yep. And then we're finding other ways. They know that. So I don't see that ever happening just because it is a money thing, number one. Number two, I just want to mention this because you pointed out risk. And I, I heard a great interview about this yesterday, and I really wish that I could mention the person that did it, but that they did have some credit behind their name. They just wanted to point out that when it comes to risk, there's risk everywhere for everything. So this company is just portraying, hey, there's a higher risk for you to get cancer if you consume alcohol. And maybe that is a fact. But there's risk for everything you do, right? There's a risk number for when you walk out the front door of your work today and get hit by something or something falling on you. Everything has a percentage of risk. It doesn't mean that you're 20% more likely to get cancer today. You know what I mean? It's, this is an overall picture of if you consume this and maybe also add to the lifestyle. If they were seeing it as more of an overall picture. Like, yes, it looks as though you 20% more likely to get cancer if you drink this, as just as an example for a round number. But the truth is, there's so many other factors that would ever play into you being 20% higher for this. Really, it might be a one in a million that you would even get a cancer, for example, right? So they just wanted to look at it as a more broader picture because they've studied these types of things before. But is it not incredibly hypocritical of the government now looking at this information saying, if you do this, it really increases your chance of cancer and and the, the experts are saying you should put a warning label on it. Would it not be hypocritical of the government to ignore that advice and not put labels on it for alcohol, but continue to have them on the cigarette packs because they're basically putting the two in the mm-hmm. same category. Basically right. the province's two options are unless they want to be total hypocrites, either add labels to alcohol or take the graphic labels off of cigarettes and make everything on the same plane. And again, treat adults like adults. They have a, they have a pass though in Canada. They're treated differently. 
tobacco. That's why, for example, when it comes to cannabis, you don't see advertising for cannabis because it falls under the tobacco umbrella. Tobacco and alcohol are not under the same umbrella in this country. That's right. And that's why. So they have a built-in excuse, Scott. They have. They will have no issue with being like, well... Alcohol is a different animal. It's just a different beast. It would take years to put these two together. Just like it would take years for us to figure out how to put cannabis together with alcohol instead of where it's at right now with tobacco. So we treat them as two different animals. So that's never going to be hypocritical in their eyes. And they're going to make that perfectly clear. But the Canadian Cancer Society, who's fully supporting these new guidelines that were published yesterday, says that they are basically the same. So something's going to change if the pressure keeps up. I'm just curious to see who blinks. And you're absolutely right. Do you know how many alcohol companies are going to say, wait, what? We got to put what on our bottle? Not going to happen. Fuck you. We just won't sell it in Canada then. It's not going to happen. Let's talk a little bit about shopping. A throwback experience. Zellers is coming back to Canada. So I'm nervous about this. I really am. So when I heard getting Target vibes again? I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> See, but Tar so Zellers and Target are thankfully different. Zellers was here, right? Zellers, the one we knew. Um, many, many years ago, I think a lot of people kind of liked it. It was a nice concept, a little restaurant in there, fun place for the kids to be maybe because they had those shitty little rides you could fall off and die on at any time. It was a great alternative to Kmart back in the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, it's different in, in that Target was obviously an American company. It came here. We didn't do it right. We didn't do it the same. Totally different. Is this OG Zellers that we know that we once knew and loved going to be similar or the same? It's going to be basically the same. Like inside, it's going to feel like a time warp. You're going to feel like you're shopping like you used to at Zeller's. Will the deals be as good? Well, I don't know. Inflation's pretty bad. In fact, this is a real shitty time to be launching a business in Canada with these interest rates the way they are. And to be honest with you, I, I barely remember Zeller's. I barely remember Zeller's now. Like, in my mind, I'm trying to remember, and again, aside from the rides, and I knew there was the Zeller's restaurant, I remember that, but in my mind, I see it as being the same as Walmart. Was it that different from a Walmart? And I know, and keep in mind, back then, Walmart didn't even sell groceries either, so take that out of the equation. I just mean with, like, the the clothes and everything else, was it basically the same as Walmart? Almost exactly the same, but dirtier. I always oh. remember Zellers being kind of dirty like when you a, walked around. Like it. a, oh no, I hate like a giant tiger. It's like a giant okay. tiger. Sorry, I didn't want to say it, but I mean, giant tiger's a little cheap. Sure, it is. Absolutely. And some people love that, and there's nothing wrong with a cheap deal, okay? But we all know, though. We or, all know it, though. It's a cheap place. Sure, and we should remember at Zellers, the lowest price is, is the, the law. law. Oh, are they bringing? Okay, so full disclosure, tr- truth for you guys. I still have my Zeddy Teddy. Really? And I passed it down to my daughter. Yeah. Zeddy the Teddy. Do you guys remember Zeddy the Teddy, the mascot? Hello. So sometimes he used to... (laughs) (laughs) He used to like roam the stores sometimes. See that? I also remember. See, again, I was a young kid, but I remember the ride, the ride that my parents would be like, ugh, fine. I guess you go on it. And I I, I think that they thought it would break, but they didn't care probably because it kept kids quiet. And I remember Zeddy Teddy and they used to sell these teddy bears in the store with a little Zeddy shirt and I still have it. That's amazing. Your daughter, after she has seen and experienced and loved this hand-me-down teddy bear that you gave her, once she actually walks into a Zeller's and maybe sees the big Zeddy there at the side, she's going to go fucking crazy. Ape shit.
That's amazing. I, she's going to think that the entire store revolves around a teddy bear I gave her and not the other way around. Exactly. <laughs> so they've announced the locations and we don't have a timeline yet, but we do think that they're going to try and get it done as quickly as possible. In Ontario, only nine locations. They're going to be in Kingston, the St. Laurent Center in Ottawa, the Rideau Center in Ottawa, two in Ottawa. Wow. Cambridge Center Mall in Cambridge, which is good because right now there's not much in there. Penn Center Shopping Mall in St. Catharines. Sorry, that's the Penn Center Shopping Plaza. Scarborough Town Center, White Oaks Mall in London, Burlington Mall, and Aaron Mills Town Center in Mississauga. Hmm. I'll go. I kind of want to see what the hype's all about. I want to see how they redo it. We are going on opening day. Like, period, the end. We're going. Really? We're going to bring our social team. And we'll post it. We're doing it. Who's not going to be interested to go check out Zellers? How, by the way, sorry, did you say dates for that? Did they they, don't, give they us haven't any said the dates. dates. Just they're endeavoring this to get year, it done as, as quickly as possible. I think that it is going to be, in some cases, this year. A lot of those locations that shut down, I think most of them were done by 2013. A lot of those that shut down are still sitting there empty. They could just put the sign back <laughs> That's up. because they put a Target in, then the Target left, and then they had nothing else. Exactly. Are, was there a certain brand that was in Zellers that would maybe be brought back with this, or what brands? Because remember, like... Um, they had Club Z. That was that a brand. That was a brand? For a bit. They had oh, some Club, like Zan, Club Z branded products. Club Z was like, was it was it clothes, socks, like every... All, was it just clothes or, or other things, like... I didn't spend a lot of time at Zeller's, okay. to be uh, honest with guys, you. Guys, if you guys know, just DM me. I'm so curious about this because you might remember, you know, some stores. Was it uh, was it Sears? Someone sold like Massimo clothing line only at this place. And they tried to make it their upscale brand inside there. Like, I feel like Zeller's probably has a couple. Like they've got their own George line their own, or something. Yes, like George for Walmart. Exactly. <laughs> Joe Fresh. Exactly. I'm just curious <laughs> if they're going to do that or launch a new one. Maybe they should give a new Canadian fashion designer up and comer a go here and let them take over be the new clothing brand inside zellers hmm. cheap ass brand but still <laughs> like a, a, a tick above giant tiger but not the luxury of walmart just, that we're all used to that's right just a smidgen higher finally i'm actually getting excited for this spring and I never thought I'd say this, or I didn't think I'd be saying this in, in at this stage of my life, but I'm actually kind of excited for baseball season. The renos they're doing to Rogers Center are really impressive. If you haven't seen it, yesterday Rogers Center and the Blue Jays published a video of what they've been working on at Rogers Center. Rogers Center is getting a ton of concrete added, first and foremost. And that place is all concrete. The fact that they're putting in more, I think is bizarre, but they're going to do it. They've ripped out half the seats. Some of them are going to go back in, but it's actually going to be 4,000 less seats in the stadium because mm-hmm. they're putting in all these patios and open air areas. There's even going to be a patio lookout on the 500 level where you can see the entire stadium mm-hmm. while you're sitting there having a drink. I'm really excited to see this new thing. And for me, I don't mind that there's going to be less seats because I couldn't stand being cramped. And by the way, it's mostly in the 500s, right, that they're getting rid of the, a lot of the seating. It's up high anyway. Yeah. So a lot of the time, if you have those seats, what do you do? You walk around. 
Like, honestly, I never, if I ever have tickets, and it's usually a last minute thing if I'm downtown Toronto anyway, just like, let's grab tickets. And in the 500s, I don't care because I'll do a lot of walking around and checking places out. And the fact that they're going to have more options for that so I can go here to this sky bar and grab a drink here and over here to the WestJet zone. I don't know if everyone's welcome there. The flight deck the flight, is great. The flight deck and check that out for a bit. I like that. Um, and the, yeah, the the concrete, the whole thing is almost like a feeling. You're supposed to get like an outdoor vibe indoor. So I get that. That's kind of that's kind of neat. There's a lot of stadiums when you look at all the different ones in the MLB that have that similar but like brick. You know, there's a lot of brick in the MLB. Uh-huh. So ours is kind of like that. But when you look around Toronto, you see a lot of concrete. So it kind of works. It's all kind of the same. It's a theme. It's, it, but it was bizarre watching those images yesterday. Like I was watching Global and they were showing images and, and video of of all that construction, seeing cranes just in the, the middle of the dome. Like, such a weird thing. But Puts it, into perspective how big it is. And the cranes look small. It's true. But I think, obviously, this is way overdue. Nothing's really been touched since the thing was built. So I say Sky Dome deserves a little, a little facelift. And I am thrilled to know that it's going to happen quickly because it's privately funded. It's privately funded and shit gets done shit when gets you do that properly. That's right. If it was actually through like our taxpayer dollars, this would be like, in 2042, you guys are going to have a great place to watch baseball. But it'll eventually be delayed to 2045 <laughs> and then 2050. And basically, we'd be riding the Eglinton Crosstown LRT before you'd be sitting in a new seat on a patio at Rogers Center. That's right. And but we, we all, we're talking a lot of baseball here because that's mainly what it's for. But I I'd imagine this will change the concert experience quite a bit too. It will. I mean, one of the things they pointed out when they said we need to do, needed to do this is Rogers Center apparently is one of three stadiums in all of baseball that's multi-use. It was designed so that you could play baseball, you could play soccer, football. They played basketball there when the Raptors first yes. launched. It was really, really bizarre, but they did it. They want to make it feel more like a ballpark. And the alternative was rip it down and build an actual ballpark. Mm-hmm. Well, they decided to keep it multi-use, but they changed the sight lines. I didn't understand how they were going to do that. I think they actually moved the infield closer to the stands. When I say that, they showed the old view from behind home plate, and then they showed the new view behind home plate, and it actually feels like the players are closer. So if mm. they did that, good on them. It will still be available for concerts and things like that. But even at that, I'd love to be able to sit and watch. I don't know. Who's coming to Rogers Center this year? There's already some. Pink is doing Rogers Center. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to sit on a patio in the 500 level and watch a pink concert. Sure. That might be fun. Will it be for everybody? No. No. Will people get drunk and get thrown out? Yes. Yes. Every game. Just don't drive, dummies. Are there going to be more fights? Yes, there will. And I hope that they're all caught on camera and land on six bus. (laughs) I I do think it's going to be good. We needed this. If it was this or tear it down and build a new stadium, I think I'm actually happier with this because it is multi-use. And I don't know where we'd put another stadium at this point anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think we're good there. And it still leaves the door open in case the Buffalo Bills go under and we buy them and move them here. Which, nah, you know, fuck it. I don't want that to happen. Leave them in Buffalo. Uh, Ah, boy, we're at time. Okay, just quickly, going to tell you a quick story from our radio show today. When somebody does you wrong, You almost have an obligation to get back at him or forgive him, one or the other. This guy decided he was going to get back at a stranger who wronged him. This guy came home from work, and he noticed there was a car parked in his driveway. 
the fuck? Somebody parked in my my spot. Yeah. What the heck is that about? Your home is your home, and that parking spot is no different than your living room. It's yours. You pay the property taxes. You can park there. It's a one-car driveway. Somebody parked in his spot. There was a house party going on on the street. So he's like, I see what's going on here. Somebody couldn't find a spot on the street, so they just parked in an open driveway. Guy pulled in behind this person. I'm going to block him in. So a couple hours go by. Knock on the door. It's a woman. Hey, just wondering if you can move your car so I can get my car out. The guy said, (laughs) first off, you got fucking stones to come and knock on my door and ask me to move my car after you parked in my driveway. Yep. Yep. So the guy said, no, I've been drinking. Sorry. Not going to move my car. Come back tomorrow. The woman was pissed that this guy would not move his car so she could get her car out of his driveway. She phoned the cops. Cops showed up and agreed with the homeowner. They said, number one, you parked parked on his private property. Mm -hmm. Number two, he said he's been drinking. You're not allowed to get behind the wheel when you've been drinking. So no, we're not making him move anything. Like he said, come back tomorrow. The woman was still angry. Then the guy said, you know what? Just because you decided to call the cops and be a bitch about this whole thing, I'm off till Tuesday. I'll move my car then. Come back on Tuesday. And her car sat there for the whole weekend. He wouldn't move his car. Oh, my gosh. Who? But like you said, who does that? And who wouldn't be livid? If I came home from work today and someone's in my driveway... I don't know if, uh, would you be able to do what he did though? Because that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. I, I think I might consider doing the same thing and I maybe would have been the nice person that was like, okay, yeah, I'll move my car, but why'd you do that? Could you not do that again? I probably, to be honest with you, would be that person. The only thing that would make me hesitate is people are loopy right now. Everybody is losing their mind. They're on a real short fuse. Yeah. Everybody's under stress and pressure and dealing with some sort of anxiety I'd be afraid this person would say, you know what? I'm taking my car, regardless of whether or not you move yours. And like ram it or something like that. And I don't need that hassle either. So I'd probably have to assess the situation on the spot. I don't want to say for sure I'd keep them blocked until Tuesday. But I do think there's a lesson to be learned here. Mm -hmm. Fuck off. That's not your spot. You can't just park in a stranger's driveway. You can't. Who does that in their right mind? That's ridiculous. I wonder if... uh, Bylaw enforcement would tow a car that was parked in your driveway. If so, if I got home from work today and somebody was in my yeah. driveway, could I call and have them towed? That's, that's your private property, so I would imagine so, yeah. That's private property. But do they get like a certain grace period? Like, oh, after three hours, if they're still not back, we no, tow them. I bet you not. Because again, that's your home that you own. Your driveway, not theirs. I, I would say there's no disputing the fact that they would have to tow it at that person's expense, at that car owner's expense. Yeah. Gotta go, everybody. Have yourselves a fantastic hump day. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of After 9. Bye, friends. The Dallas Cowboys knocked Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of the playoffs. Yeah, and now fans want to know, will Tom Brady retire or retire, then immediately unretire? Um... Yep, after the game, Brady was thinking about retiring, but then he saw the price of eggs and was like, I can't retire now. I mean, just... The Cowboys won is the first time they ever beat Tom Brady. He was 7-0 against Dallas Lifetime. Now he's 7-1. Brady was reportedly so upset after the game, he ate a carb.
Prince William visited the charity Together as One for a cooking lesson and shared his favorite cake recipe, tell someone to make you a cake. <laughs> Tinder is testing a new version of their app that costs $500. 500 bucks, that's not a dating app, that's an escort service. <laughs> the After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.